Om Jnanati Mirandasya Jnananjana Salakaya Chakshurunitam Jnatasmai Sri Gurve Namah Adhanolambato Bhujo Kanakabhadato Sankitanayakapitaro Kamalaya Taksho Vishvambaro Dvijavaro Yugadharma Palo Vande Jagat Priyakaro Karunabhutaro Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki jai, Sisi Krishna Arjuna ki jai, Chilesi Bhakti Vilanta Sami Prabhupada ki jai, Bhakti Rakhak Siddhi Goswami Maharaj ki jai, Bhakti Siddhanta Sastitaku Prabhupada ki jai, Sri Bhakti Vinod Puribar ki jai, Gopremanandi. So reading from the first chapter of the manuscript Bhagavad Gita, its feeling and philosophy, which has gone to the press at this time, finally. And we've been gathering here for several months now. We went through the preface, and we went through the introduction, and we're in the middle of the first chapter. We ended last time on verse 20. And verse 20 begins with the word atha, ataha. Atha means then, now. It indicates a, a beginning. It, it indicates auspiciousness, just like Vedanta Sutra begins, Atato Brahma Jignasu. It's an auspicious invocation telling us now is the time for inquiry into the nature of Brahman. So the word here indicates, in one sense, the beginning of Bhagavad Gita. There are several beginnings and several endings. It means there are several places which we could call the beginning, and several places which we could call the ending. Krishna ends the Bhagavad Gita a couple of times in the 18th chapter, but goes on with an afterthought. And it begins, of course, with verse 1, Dhritarastha Uvacha. But that is from that verse 1 in which we discussed everything in one sense is found. The whole predicament of human life is found there. The bottom end, so to speak, of the scale of spiritual experience of the Bhagavad Gita is found there in the word mam, and the high point is also found in the word dharmakshetra, kurukshetra. So we discuss these things. Mam means, of course, mine. So Dhritarashtra asked, what did my sons and the sons of Pandu do? So my means that he differentiated between those whom he was attached to and those he was not. And that attachment is the cause of all of our problems in human life. So dealing with that is, is really the beginning of spiritual life. And Dharmakshetra Kurukshetra, we talked about that in terms of its indicating the high point in spiritual life. And as much as Kurukshetra is a holy place, and how sacred and how holy it is, we discussed not only in terms of the Bhagavad Gita being spoken there, but what happened 50 years earlier when Krishna was at Kurukshetra and he met the inhabitants of Vrindavan, the gopis and Radha in particular, and what was exchanged between the two of them. And we, we reasoned spiritually that stepping foot some 50 years later in the same place to talk about Dharma, how could Krishna not drift in the direction of the Prema Dharma of, of Braj, which was the subject of the, his meeting there previously with the inhabitants of Vrindavan and Gopis. So, in the first verse, in one sense, that's the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita. 
And in one sense, the whole of the Bhagavad Gita is found that we have attachment. We, the bottom end, we need to become detached to begin spiritual life. The high end of attainment, attachment to Krishna. And um, Sanjaya is brought into the verse. Sanjaya, that person who is Sanjaya, all victorious, who's conquered over the mind and senses, that person must be in our life to be successful, to move from attachment to detachment to Krishna consciousness. And overall, other than the first verse, the first chapter tells us so much about what is contained in the book. And while that first verse is the formal beginning, as I say, there are other places where we could say, here is the real beginning. We could say the beginning is in the second chapter. Jiva Goswami makes, puts a, a bookmark there where Krishna begins to speak to Arjuna, Upanishadic wisdom, the difference between the body and the soul. He says, don't lament. Why are you lamenting? Fools lament. Learned people don't lament for the living or the dead. And of course, Krishna ends the Bhagavad Gita on the same note. Don't lament. Don't worry. Masujaha. Sarvadharman pratecha. Mame kamasharanambaja. Om tam sarvapapibhu. Moksha yashami masucha. The book should begin and end in the same place. Conclusion, introduction and the conclusion. So, and again, that's one ending, that's one beginning. There are different places where we can say it's the beginning and the end for different reasons. This happens to be another one. Because with this verse, the previous matter, introductory matter, there's a demarcation between that matter and what's to come. Therefore, atta, now, then, this having been done, what we discussed after verse 2 from verse 1, from 2 up to this verse 20, primarily was the character of Duryodhan in terms of his being less than ideal of an example of a student or a disciple. We learned what not to be from him. I mentioned previously that in one sense this chapter teaches us what the proper qualifications of a disciple are. So what not to be has to be part of that. Bhagavad Gita and most of the scripture teaches in this way, directly and indirectly. What not to be, what to be. The whole Bhagavad Gita talks about so many different types of yoga, but really it's only talking about bhakti. It's shedding light on the, the beauty and the efficacy of bhakti directly and indirectly by discussing other types of of yoga and their their reach and what possibilities, what prospect is found within them in comparison to bhakti. So here is the beginning now of Bhagavad Gita in this sense. This preliminary matter has been covered and what's going to happen next is that Arjuna's going to speak. So Bhagavad Gita is a discussion between Krishna and Arjuna. So where Arjuna begins to speak, we can say that's the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita. And as he begins to speak, he reveals really two things. He reveals the qualifications of a disciple in a basic sense. And he also reveals the problems of a disciple. The psychology of a disciple in his or her efforts to practice and how things get in the way. We were talking about intelligence earlier. How intelligence can get in the way. How we can rationalize ourselves out of the the picture, even when we are apparently are practicing. So this is going to come up, and also the underlying basic good qualities of Arjuna, primarily of which is his willingness to present himself before Krishna with some confidence in Krishna that he can get a resolution. So, in other words, 
if we have doubts, if we have misconceptions, if we have some attachments, material desires, and so forth, that's one thing. It doesn't mean we, we can't be a good disciple. But if we're willing to repose ourselves before a proper person and make a solution to the problem, seek a solution, then we can't, as Prabhupada used to say, we cannot condemn a man for being dirty when he's in the shower. So the primary qualification of Arjuna is actually putting himself before Krishna, asking questions, presenting his doubts, and we'll see underlying, of course, underlying Krishna, Arjuna is a great devotee. So there's a kind of sleep or ignorance that he's been put into for the sake of the speaking of Bhagavad Gita. So naturally his good qualities will come out. But what also comes out is his doubts, his reservations, his rationalizations, and his attachments and so forth. So we shouldn't fly away because we find we have these things when we look introspectively and we begin to practice. In fact, those are the things which we'll see first. We should take a hard look at them and deal with them. And that's what this chapter points out. So we heard then in this verse how then O King, the son of Pandu, who carries the banner of Hanuman, having looked over the army of Dhritarashtra's sons in battle array, raised his bow in preparation as weapons were readied, and he spoke the following words to Krishna, the master of the senses. So the flag, we heard different things about Arjuna's destiny for victory. Here is another thing, and we discussed this a little bit last time, the flag of Hanuman is there. So, you know, there's a relationship between the Pandavas and Hanuman when Bhima was sent out in the Himalayas to find, a, uh, I think, a flower that uh, Draupadi had seen, and he went up and he found a big monkey lying across the path to get out of the way. I'm looking for a flower. And the monkey said, I'm old and tired. Uh, just lift my tail and go underneath. And Bhima said, well, it's inappropriate. You know, he said, step over me. And Bhima said, it's inappropriate to step over a person. And he said, lift my tail then and go underneath. And so Bhima put his club in his right hand and his left hand, went to, which is a sign of disrespect. He went to lift the tail of the monkey, but he couldn't lift it. And so he put down his weapon and he took both hands to lift the tail of the monkey. He couldn't lift it. And Bhima's not a weak person. So he could understand that this is an extraordinary person. And he took both hands and he folded them. Pranam and said, who are you? What's going on here? And he said, I'm Hanuman. And we, you and I are related, because I'm son of Vayu, and, and of course Bhima is also son of Vayu. And of course Bhima had heard of Hanuman's prowess as a great devotee, an example of Dasya Bhakti, the great servant of Ram. And they had a nice uh, conversation, and in that conversation Hanuman understood that a war was coming, these Pandavas were being mistreated, and it was going to be things that the score was going to be set right, and and he would love to participate in that, but he wasn't going to directly, for the same reason that he didn't kill Ravana. He could have killed Ravana easily, but he left it for Ram to do, so that Ram would have the glory. So he said in the same way, I could I could annihilate them all, Duryodhan and everybody, but uh, I want you to do it. And that would be greater glory. So I'll ride on the flag of, on the chariot of Arjuna. And as we heard last time, so whenever, what is he, so whenever you blow your conch or let out a roar, I will, be, I will also roar. And then he gave that sound. Even one said, well, what's your roar like? How did you roar when you jumped across the, the uh, ocean from Cape 
Kanyakumari to to Sri Lanka. So he gave that roar and deafened Bhima. So that was heard on Battle of Kurukshetra. So we, we, we heard that from Madhvacharya had commented that when the Pandavas blew their conches, Krishna blew his first, inappropriately in one sense, because he's just a chariot driver, but appropriately because he's actually their leader. And then they all blew theirs. Bhima and Yudhisthira blew his and Arjuna and Sahadev Nakul and so on. And the, the loud roar of all these conches... Behind it dwells the loud roar of Hanuman, and naturally and understandably, Duryodhan and his group were just a little bit disheartened, whereas the Pandavas were not disheartened upon hearing the conch of Bhishma on the other side that was the, the challenge horn, you know, let's, saying, now let's have this battle, let's get on with it. So there are many auspicious things that indicate that Arjun would be victorious, and this is one of them, that Hanuman's flag is on his chariot, and... Krishna is mentioned here as Rishikesh, the name is used, master of the senses. So Arjun's on his chariot. The famous Upanishadic example is there. The chariot is the body, the horses are the senses, the mind is the reins, and the driver is the intelligence, and the soul is the passenger. So here Arjun is the passenger on this chariot, and Krishna is the driver with divine intelligence. Dio yona prachodayat. As we sing in our Trisandyam, uh, Sri Gayatri. So that's who's driving Arjun's chariot, Rishikesh, who has the power to conquer all of the senses. This is really an internal battle that's that, uh, is being discussed in Bhagavad Gita, not an external battle. As we'll see, it's it's not about fighting at all. It is, but in an internal and a spiritual sense. A yogi is uh, somewhat of a spiritual athlete, if you will. So, Bhagavad Gita begins here, in this sense, Atta. Now Arjuna will speak again. When Arjuna begins to speak, Bhagavad Gita is a discussion between Krishna and Arjuna. So, the formal beginning, what does he say? It goes so high. And the highest reach of Bhagavad Gita is found in his first words. And... In Krishna's response, it goes to the bottom, on the theistic ladder. Arjuna Vacha, Senayor ubayor madhye ratam stapayal meya chuta, yavad etan nirikshayam yodho kamana vastitan, kairamaya sahayodhavyam asmin rana sumudyame, yotsyamanam avikshayam ya ete tra samagataha, tra tarastrasya turbudher yudhe priya chikyeshava. Arjun said, O Achyutta, infallible one, draw my chariot between the two armies so that I may see who has assembled here in fighting spirit and with whom I must contend in this battle. Let me see those who have come here with a desire to please the evil-minded son of Dhritarashtra. Commentary. Battle is no doubt the object of delight for a warrior like Arjuna. However, here Arjuna indicates that while he is a great warrior, he has doubts about this war. It is not bringing him joy at the onset. He raises his bow, but his hesitation betrays his reservations. Here Arjuna addresses Krishna as the infallible one, and indeed he is so. But why is the infallible one driving the chariot of Arjuna? All are fallible in this world, however mighty they may appear. 
Krishna assuming the post of a chariot driver and taking these orders from his devotee Arjuna, all of which seem contradictory to the notion that he holds a position of infallibility, implies that his infallible status is otherworldly. Chariot driver he may appear to be, but more, he is Arjuna's friend and Krishna will never fail him. He has become Arjuna's chariot driver out of affection for him. Of all of his qualities, his affection for his devotees is his foremost. In the very first utterance of Arjuna, the conclusion of this sacred conversation is revealed. The infallible God Krishna is subordinated by the love of his devotees. Love of Krishna conquers the source of all material benedictions and eternal life. Under its influence, the infallible becomes fallible. However, Krishna's fallibility in relation to his pure devotees, love demonstrates his infallibility for them. He never fails his devotee. So, this verse reminds us of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conclusion of Bhagavad Gita. Chaitanya Dev was traveling in South India in Madhya Kanda of Chaitanya Charitamrita, ninth chapter. Eighth chapter, we find the Ramananda Samvad, conversation between Roy Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In that section, the highest reach of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is brought out, and in that section, and only in that section of Chaitanya Charitamrita, only in that place in the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu does he reveal himself to be whom the book says he is. Radha Bhava Duti Sivalitam Nomi Krishna Sarupam. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahayana Rupanuga Janera Jivan. Rasaraj Mahabhav Duyek Rup. In one Rup, the two are combined. Rasaraj Krishna Mahabhav Radha. This was shown practically to Roy Ramananda. Mahabharu showed himself to be Krishna. He showed us Sadbuj and showed himself as Gopal Krishna. In different places he revealed himself. But the height of Chaitanya Charitamrita is the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna himself in the Bhava of Radha. And that by coming in that way to the world, he's made the Bhava of Radha accessible to all people. This is brought out in Chaitanya Charitamrita in the eighth chapter of the Madhya And right after that high point, where do we go? In the ninth chapter, Mahaprabhu continues in the south preaching. Krishna, 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 hey! Krishna, 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 hey! Prabhupada began his Krishna book with this. It is the tenth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. That is the high point of Srimad Bhagavatam. And Prabhupada is beginning with this. Krishna, Keshava, Krishna, Keshava, Krishna, Keshava, Pahimam, Rama, Raghava, Rama, Raghava, Rama, Raghava, Rakshamam. Mahaprabhu was saying this in preaching. Two aspects to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yugavatar and Swayam Bhagavan in the mood of Radha, trying to understand himself as seen through her eyes and what is her experience. We cannot ignore either. We cannot ignore the Yugavatar side and expect to understand the higher side of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We have to take the whole package. So, Namsan Kirtan, this is very important. Bhakti Sarasri Thakur appropriately laid stress on that, and he did something wonderful by revealing to us a dynamic idea of Namsan Kirtan, including Brihatmadanga, Granta Prakash, manifesting the scripture. He considered the Purnik Press a big drum. He called his sannyasis Jivanta Murdanga, living drums. 
So in relation to the whole of the modern world, taking the vision of Bhakti Thakur, he gave us a, a dynamic idea of kirtan. He gave us a dynamic idea of nirbandha krishna sambandha yukta bhairagi muchate. Real renunciation means to use everything in Krishna's service. One thing we should note about this, though, the person who originally said that, Sri Rupa Goswami, and the person who I'm saying gave a dynamic idea of that and who really utilized everything at his disposal from the modern world in Krishna's service, like driving in a motor car and, and so forth, sending devotees on airplanes and whatnot. Both him and the person who originally gave that verse, Rupa Goswami, could live under a tree every night. <laughs> so the extent to which that we can actually embrace the modern world and all material manifestations in a healthy way, healthy means by utilizing them in Krishna's service rather than being utilized by them, is that we have to have a healthy measure of detachment, means proper understanding. So we should be careful not to abuse this dynamic idea of bhakti sanasarasthita and think that I'm gathering this, that, and everything, and I'm using it in, in Krishna's service because I got initiated. Therefore, I'm a devotee, and whatever I do must have something to do with Krishna. And uh, this way, we are um, losing sight of what it's really all about. And this happens sometimes, so I comment on it. Under good guidance, then, we should try to use our own senses, our own mind, in Krishna's service. And whatever comes without much endeavor, we maintain a life and try to be engaged in Krishna Sankirtan as much as possible. Krishna Sankirtan is the means. Krishna Sankirtan, Mahaprabhu, has given us this as a means to qualify ourselves for understanding the higher side of his appearance. Mahaprabhu went south, he engaged in Sankirtan, Krishna, 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 hey. As I said, Prabhupada gave this at the beginning of the 10th canto, there's some significance to that. He's saying appropriately that this book should be distributed. There should be Sankirtan, and you should be engaged in that. And by that, then the secrets of 10th canto of Krishna, that will become known to you. You become qualified to understand those things. So the heart will become cleansed first. Cheto Dharpana Marjan. We should look for that. Baba Mahadavagani, Nirvapanam, liberation. Then Shreya Kedava Chandrika Vitaranam. Some benediction coming from the other side, dawning in my heart, the benediction rays of the moon of love of God. So my point is, from such a high point in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the zenith in Ramananda Samvad, Mahabhubu comes right back down in the next chapter. Kaviraj Goswami is describing this with preaching. So we should make some relation between this kirtan and eligibility for the highest realization. In that kirtan, Mahaprabhu went from place to place, and in South India, he came across one brahmana. And that brahmana was an illiterate brahmana. And he was instructed by his guru to read Bhagavad Gita, recite Bhagavad Gita, 18 chapters every day. So every day he took the book, and every day he recited and he pronounced the words wrong, and people used to laugh at him and make a mockery of him, throw things at him. The fool, he can't pronounce the words properly. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu looked at him differently. He detected in him something very wonderful. We may be illiterate, we may not be very well educated. 
We may not even know so many things about Gaudi Vaishnavism. It's possible. Earlier we spoke about the necessity to use our intelligence, apply ourselves, and understand with it as best we can. We can fuel our practice. But we may not have big intelligence. That's not a problem. We may pronounce the words wrong. We used to sit in the temple in Los Angeles in the morning after Mongol Arctic. About 6.30 we would gather around Prabhupada's Vyasasan. Not all of us, because the service was going on, but it was a regular practice. And we would chant again the sec- second time, as we did during the Mongol Arctic at that time, Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur's Guru Vastakam, prayers in the glorification of the Guru. And, and Prabhupada was upstairs in his quarters, and he was hearing it. We were chanting, Bandei Gorar Shiv Jaranadavindam. Instead of Guru, we were singing Guru, we were singing Cow. So one day I offer my respects to the lotus feet of the cow. Not a bad idea, <laughs> considering our religion. But the idea was, was the pronunciation was wrong. So Prabhupada commented on it, but he never indicated that he wasn't accepting the offering. Shiddharmarsh once said, yes, uh, it, may, it may be pronounced wrong, may be said wrong, but Krishna will think, hmm, because he will feel what you're saying. It's, it's actually it's a heart language. And we say, I, I think you meant this, right? Yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> it's good if we can be technically correct and our heart, have our heart in the right place. But we can do without the former to some extent, but not without the latter. Our heart must be in the right place. And, of course, if our heart is in the right place, we will want to do it right. We will want to execute it technically correct. So we'll try to find out about that as well. Of course, we will also find out that technically correct may be technically correct in one place and it might not be technically correct in another place and the technicality is, is uh, somewhat, somewhat relative to our environment, situation, culture, and so forth. There's some room for, for some difference there. But there's a oneness in terms of where a heart should be. It must be in the right place. A heart exercise. Chant, sing, feelingly, sincerely. This Brahman was doing that in his reciting of 18 chapters of Bhagavad Gita. And Mahabhu could detect the fruit of that. And while other people were scorning him, Mahabhu came and embraced him and asked him, what is it that you're thinking about when you're chanting this Bhagavad Gita that makes you the way you are, Mahaprabhu could detect some bhav in him. And he said, actually, I'm illiterate. My guru, Maharaj, asked me to recite Bhagavad Gita 18 chapters every day, and I, I do it. But I don't know really what the words mean. And I make mistakes pronouncing them. But it just so happens that my sincerity, I guess, in terms of applying myself the best of my ability, results in this picture of Krishna coming in my heart on the chariot of Arjun, driving that chariot, like we're hearing here. Arjun says, Sanayor ubayor me chuta. He says, Rickshaw! You know, in Indian culture, a driver is not a very high position. <laughs> when Prabhupada first came to America, he was in New York. And he was writing some letter back to 
Godivedanta Samiti, where he had taken sannyas from Sripad Keshav Maharaj. And if you read some of those letters, Prabhupada's experience is like he went to the moon, like he went to another planet. There are so many lights at night that it's like day. And he said, and everyone has a car and no driver. Where am I? <laughs> These kind of things. It's very charming to read them because you really get a sense of how lost, in one sense, he was, but how found he was, of course, we know in terms of his, his mission and why why he was there. But where he was, <laughs> that was, uh, was hard for him to figure out <laughs> exactly how it all worked. I and mean, he knew what is Tamaguna, Rajaguna, Sapaguna, the fabric of material nature. This is really the essence of material life. It is a combination of the modes of nature. If we know that, we know everything. The details are not required <laughs> to be known. Maybe to some extent for preaching, and we can ask the local people about that. This Brahman, he told the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I see this picture of Krishna driving the chariot of Arjuna, and my heart melts. I cry. What did Mahaprabhu do? He embraced him, and he said, You are the true knower of Bhagavad Gita. And he said, because of this, I will reveal all secrets to you. He revealed himself to be Krishna. He gave him darshan of himself as Krishna. And what did he tell him after that? Don't tell anybody. And then he instructed him in all the secrets of Krishna consciousness. So if we can be a true knower of Bhagavad Gita, everything will come. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, our Guru Varga, Guru Parampara, will not leave us in the dark. Sometimes they said, why read Bhagavad Gita? That is the ABCs. We should go to the higher thing. But who is a true knower of Bhagavad Gita? Who, when picking up the book, gets this picture in their heart of Krishna driving the chariot of Arjuna and understands the significance to the extent, the extent that he, he or she cries that God, Krishna, Sain Bhagavan, whom later will say, for me everything is coming, the whole world, has become the chariot, the taxi driver, the rickshaw wall, the taxi chariot driver of Arjuna, taking orders. Krishna didn't resist at all, he just drove the chariot up. This, in one sense, is the essence of Bhagavad Gita. It is the essence of our whole tradition. Every religious tradition is teaching about the worship of God. And what are we teaching about? Every religious, teach, religious tradition is teaching that God is the worshipable object, and we are teaching what the worshipable object of God is. That is the difference. And what is the worshipable object of God, of Krishna? His devotee. We say that Krishna is, Prabhupada used to say, everyone wants to get Krishna's attention, but Krishna wants to get Radha's attention. Therefore, Gauri Vaishnava is they sing Jai Radhe, Hare Krishna, Hare Ram. Between every name of Krishna, Hare is there, representing Radha. And Radha represents what? She is the, both goddess and ideal of devotion. Deity and ideal of devotion, both for us. So she is the Mahabhasurupini, the embodiment of perfect love. And every devotee, therefore, is touched by her. She is the Swayam Shakti. So in a general sense, the worshipable object of Krishna is his own devotee. Krishna is his sweetness it, itself, personified. But sugar cannot taste itself. So it's, Ladini Shakti is inside Krishna. He's 
Shaktiman. He is the source of all Shakti. Ladini, Sambit, Sandini, Shakti, what makes up Bhakti, that's all inside of Krishna. But Krishna manifests that outward. Ladini Shakti, for example, as Radha, to make, to interact with that Shakti, that he may taste himself. And he manifests that Surup Shakti in the heart of his devotees, and then he has relationship with them. That is Bhakti proper. So Krishna worships his devotees. What does it say that Aham Baikunta Nat, Krishna says, Aham Baikunta Tishtami, Yoginam Hridayeshubha. I'm not in Baikunta. Yoginam Hridayeshubha. Neither I am in the heart of the yogis. But where am I, Narad? Yatra Gayanti Madbhakta. Yatra Gayanti Madbhakta. Wherever my devotee is singing about me, chanting about me, I'm present there. Krishna is omnipresent. Why? His devotees are everywhere. <laughs> Wherever they're singing, Krishna's appearing. Wherever they're serving him, he's appearing there. His arms and legs and hands are everywhere, he says in Bhagavad Gita. Advaita Prabhu had a hard time understanding this verse in terms of bhakti. Mahaprabhu gave him this kind of revelation. He's everywhere for his devotees because they are singing his glories and therefore he's there. So here we find this ideal. This is the worshipable object of Krishna. That is what it means that Krishna is driving the, the chariot of, of Arjuna. He subordinates himself to the service of his devotee. Such a, a, a lowly position but he doesn't lose his position by taking that. He remains achutta, infallible. We have a mistaken notion that often that our position determines our value. Whatever position we get, that's how valuable we are. But Krishna, in one way, in one sense, is teaching here. That's not the fact. I'm everything. I'm the highest value. I become the chariot driver. It doesn't change. If I become the leader, whatever my position doesn't change. And similarly with yours. We may be in any position, physically, but where we are in terms of our heart, our realization, our understanding of reality, that's where we are. Where we are in terms of the inner landscape, spiritual culture, that's where we are. We may be the temple president, we may be the sannyasi, or we may be this or that, or householder, outside, inside, but the movement, a movement, wherever we are in terms of our inner development, ruchi, nishta, all these things, that is where we are. So Krishna, even he takes a lowly position, he remains achutta. And this is the high point in one sense of Bhagavad Gita. This is what we are to learn, that bhakti even subordinates Krishna. We learn that Krishna is the supreme god, most people think this is the teaching of Bhagavad Gita, but the real teaching is that the Supreme God is subordinated by love, by bhakti. So as in Arjuna's first words, this comes. Then, verse 24 and 25, Evam ukto rishikesho guru keshena bharata senayor ubayor madhye stapait varatottamam Bhishma Drona Pramukata Sarvesham Chamahi Chitam Uvacha Partapashaitan Samavetan Kuruniti. So Sanjaya, he said, O Dhritarashtra, as we know from the beginning, Sanjaya is describing the whole affair to Dhritarashtra. Rishikesh means, of course, master of the senses, having been ordered by Gudakesh, 
a name for Arjun means who has conquered sleep, pulled the best of chariots, Rata Uttam, between the two armies, stopping in front of Bhishma and Drona, in the midst of the rulers of the world. Krishna said, Jesse Partha, all the Kurus assembled here. This is the most important verse of the whole Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> the last verse was pretty important too. <laughs> here Krishna speaks for the first time. In the previous verse, Arjun spoke. First, Rishikesh again, Sanjaya is addressing Krishna as a master of the senses. He's ordered by Gudakesh, Arjuna, and he just does it. No questions asked. He takes orders from his devotee. What is the position of the devotee? That they can order God around. It's inconceivable to us. And he drives the best of chariots, you know, that Arjun had, as he had the flag of Hanuman, and he had so many auspicious things. He had an auspicious chariot. He had a auspicious bow with the Gandiva and the chariot, I think, given by Chittarata, of the Gandharvas, in relation to his helping Agni Dev. So it's, it's celestial, and it's another sign, of course, that he will be victorious. And it also means the chariot, again, using this Bhagavad Gita's Gita Upanishad, so it very much is Upanishadic in many respects. So the famous analogy from the Upanishads of the body as the chariot is brought to mind again here. And Rata Uttamam, Rata Uttama, a chariot, a body. If we are seated on the chariot of the body, and that body is, if we allow it to be driven by Rishikesh, Krishna, <laughs> that it is a valuable thing. One of my godbrothers once was sitting at the lotus feet of his divine grace, Om Vishnupad Bhakti Rakshak Shiradeva Goswami Maharaj, on his humble veranda over the bank of the Ganges. And he said, Guru Maharaj, today is a very inauspicious day. Guru Maharaj said, really? What is that? He said, today is my birthday. I took birth in this human, you know, material body. I'm a soul and I took birth in this material body. And Guru Maharaj said, it is inauspicious, most auspicious. He said, in this life, you've got a human body. We should measure our progress like this. Quoting the Puranas, 84 lakhs of species we are passing through, from aquatics to trees to birds to animals coming finally to human society, and that's most rare. You've made so much progress to come this far. Human birth, Dulava Manava Janama Satsange. Human birth is rare, and rarer still, satsangi. Association with sadhus, in the combination of these two, cross over the ocean of material existence. Vishnu John Maharaj, my godbrother, used to say, the distance we have gone before meeting our Gurudev is so much greater than the distance we have to pass from this point to the goal. And although we can talk about how far it is to attain that goal, lifetimes of anishtabhajana, lifetimes of nishtabhajana, lifetimes of ruchi, asakti, and dulab bhakti, bhakti su dulab, very rarely finally achieving, and even in bhava bhakti, still 
culture must go on to attain Prem Bhakti. And even from Sarup City and Krishna Leela, there is a possibility you could go back. <laughs> Only till attaining Vastu City, entering the Niti Leela. So really on permanent, safe ground, yadgatvananivartantetadamaparamamama, the land of no return. So it may be long. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has talked about passing through the various stages over yugas. Yugas. Again, if we are really practicing, we will not be discouraged to hear this at all. We will be encouraged to know what a great thing it is, how great it is how rare it is, and that I'm, I know where I am on the map and I'm applying myself appropriately, I'm going there. I've told the story before of Mukunda. It's a nice story worth reiterating. How he was banished from Mahaprabhu's association for some offense. And after some time, the devotees would come and give him their mercy with news about Mahaprabhu and so forth, were asked by him, please ask Mahaprabhu when I will see him again when I will again have his darshan. They went and asked Mahaprabhu, and he said, you tell him uh, for a thousand lifetimes. A thousand lifetimes, and you'll get my darshan. A million lifetimes. Oh, they were mortified by that. They went back. They had to tell him. I mean, what did Mahaprabhu say? He said, you will not get his darshan for a million lifetimes. And he began to dance. Gaur Haribol, Gaur Haribol. They were stunned. They said, why are you dancing at this horrible news? He said, because I will get... I wanted to know if I will ever get it. I know what the value of that is, and I know I will get it. There's a million lifetimes. There's nothing. And they were stunned. They went back, and Mahaprabhu said, What did he say? Attached to his devotee as he is. <laughs> and they said, He began to dance and chant Haribol. Mahaprabhu said, Bring him here immediately. So if we are sincere in our practice, and we know where we are on the map, and we're applying ourselves appropriately, keeping good company, we should be encouraged. And the fact, what my godbrother had said, Mr. John Marsh, is to be noted. The distance we have to traverse from here on is very, very short. As long as it may sound the same, it said, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> so, if you actually apply yourself, then you'll be happy. You'll feel, at least, I'm honestly engaged, so I feel good about myself in my life. Time will pass. Mahaprabhu will not leave you in the dark. That attitude will so much attract the higher power, Surup Shakti, to come down. You're thinking like that. Come with us. We cannot force our way there, but we can attract the sympathy from above. This is the idea of bhakti. And the distance traveling before we come to this point, to actually systematically tread the path under good guidance, oh, we cannot say how long that is. We've been wandering immaterial existence. It's anadi. Anadi bahimuk. Anadi karma. It means that it cannot be calculated. It's forever. That's how long. Forever. And in ten zillion yugas, we will achieve Krishna Prem. And you compare that to forever. Then, <laughs> it's a very short time. Guru Maharaj explained in this way, it's very auspicious here to have birth in human body to that devotee. This is an auspicious day, your birthday. In this life you got a human birth, and in this life you got a Guru Diksha, Sadhu Sangha. So if we have this kind of chariot, body, then we let Rishikesh, Krishna, guide it. We put ourselves in the hands of Krishna, then we have Rata Uttama. 
we have a first-class chariot, first-class car. 